Hello, podcast listener. Welcome back to the Case Interview Podcast. What you're going to listen to right now is an excerpt from episode number nine of the Case Interview Podcast, which is called A New Revolution in the Case Interview Prep Space. And in this episode, we're going to discuss how new technologies have disrupted other competitive spaces in the past. And then we bring that discussion to the hypothetical history of the case prep space, the previous revolutions that have happened in this space in the past, and the new revolution that's coming up right now as we speak. And the context to this very clip that you're going to listen to is that we're in the middle of talking about reasons why candidates don't use drills that much, despite it being much, much better than just doing more and more cases, which is what most people do. And it's weird because that's not how you practice any skill, at least if you want to get really good at it. If you want to get really good at football, for example, you're not just going to play more and more games, you're actually going to practice your skills, which is, you know, similar to drills. But anyway, in this specific argument, as the title of this clip says, we explain why doing more and more cases is the safe path for candidates, but it's not safe at all. Now, before I let you go to listen to the clip, I want to drop a quick note on how to listen to this podcast. So, basically, Bruno and I have recorded these podcast episodes in a way that they'll become a library for candidates preparing in the future. And so, we've tried to cover only timeless topics here that are relevant to case interviews in general, regardless of when they're listened to. Which means that the best way to listen to this podcast is not to you know, listen to the last episode and then wait for the next one to come out and then the next one. But it is to go back to episode number one and listen from episode number one forward. And by the way, some of the best episodes we've recorded are the ones we recorded earlier on. An alternative way to listen to it is just going back to episode number one and then skimming through the titles and sticking to the ones that are that seem the most relevant to you you've probably got a good intuition what your situation is and you're going to pick a good one. And then listen to that because then you're not going to have only one episode to listen to a week. You're going to have a lot more than that. And honestly, there's a ton to be learned from this podcast, not only in the last episode. All right, now let's go on to the clip. When you do mock interview after mock interview, it's hard to see improvement because it's slower that's one reason why. Yeah. And second, it's not very linear. Like you do a few mock interviews. You may do like eight mock interviews and not improve at all. And then you may see a breakthrough mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But it's hard to connect the action of doing more and more mock interviews and the result of improving your performance, right? Yeah. Now, with drills, what I see happening a lot is a person gets poor feedback on their brainstorming performance in a mock interview. Then they go, for example, to our platform and in our free course, there are drills on brainstorming. Also, we have a a paid course with a lot of drills on brainstorming and they go there and they practice brainstorming drills for a whole afternoon. Mm -hmm. And a day or two later, they go to another mock interview And they get great feedback about how their brainstorming is so structured and they have such good ideas that are so insightful and case-specific. So it's obvious to them that, you know, what caused the transformation is doing the drills. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. 
like when the result is quicker and the iteration cycle to improve is quicker, people see more the cause and effect relationship. And because of that, I think they will be more vocal about it. Now, I have like an objection to your argument. Which what is it? It's not a full objection. I think what you said will happen, but perhaps candidates aren't that rational about the way they prepare. Mm -hmm. So what you're telling me is that the way candidates plan their preparation is by listening to people who got in mm -hmm. and hearing their best practices and applying those, specifically amplifying the things that people who got in said worked the best for them. Yeah. And I think that's part of the truth. Now, the other part of the truth is that a lot of candidates, they go to where it feels safe. A lot of people who prepare for cases are very, very conservative and try to follow the norms. I don't know why that happens. I mean, I kind of know why that happens. They don't. They really want a job in consulting and they don't want to take any risks, right? So what do they do? They go read case in point, for example. Mm -hmm. And if you ask candidates, like most candidates are still using case in point. 15 years after the book has been published, I don't know if it's 15 years or not, but certainly like five or 10 years after the book is perhaps more harmful than useful. Yeah. And we recorded an episode on the case in point curse where we talk about why the book may be more harmful than helpful. But my point is, People go towards where it feels safe and it feels safe to read case in point, do the things that are famous and they don't realize that a lot of the fame in this market is time in the market more than effectiveness. Yeah. So I think this is opportunity for the candidates who are more, I hate this word, but more innovative or perhaps more performance-driven, like they care more about what works than what is credible and mm -hmm. has the Harvard stamp on it or, or whatever. So yeah, that's my counter-argument. Maybe that won't ha happen as fast because if you ask a partner how they suggest you to prepare, they're probably going to say something similar to what they did, which maybe was useful 20 years ago. It mm -hmm. might work now, it might not. Yeah. But the information seems useful because a partner is telling you that. Um, that. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. And it brings up another important point of resistance, uh, which is improving feels really bad. Improving in something actually sucks. If you're trying to improve in any skill you're going to have to get worse first. Yeah, and you're going to have to touch on the points that you are weak on. Building a muscle that is weak in your body hurts a lot. Uh, if you're trying to learn how to kick with your left leg in football, then, of course, you're going to train some drills, but you're also going to go play games and you're going to have to force yourself to kick with your left leg and you're going to miss a goal that you could have scored. And that sucks. That's part of the reason why we're mediocre in most things we do. And most people are mediocre in, in every skill that you take. Because improving sucks. And even if you know what to do, that doesn't mean you want to do it. That brings up a blind spot in my data points, which is in the beginning of this podcast, I talked a lot about professionally competitive sports. And 
not everyone is professionally competitive. Even though people might want the job a lot, because it sucks to get better, they might find a ton of different reasons not to do drills or not to do drills correctly in a way that they're actually improving because it just feels really bad to do so. Yeah, it feels bad. I agree with you that improving feels bad. But you know what feels worse? Hmm. Not improving. True. <laughs> and I think that's kind of like the resistance that you have to go through. Like if you're preparing for cases and putting any amount of effort into it, might as well prepare in a way that will be helpful to you and that will make you improve, even if it sucks a little bit, right? It's kind of like going to the gym. Like it hurts a bit. After you go to the gym a few times, it stops hurting as much. It still requires effort. And it surely is more comfortable, you know, laying down on your couch and watching Netflix. But if you really want to get strong or fit or lose weight or whatever, it feels worse in the long run. And I think it's kind of the same, right? It feels bad to do a drill and see the results that, well... I failed this, like I would have failed this if this were a real case. And when you're starting doing drills, you can cycle through drills pretty quickly. Like you can do at least a few well-done drills per hour Yeah, on most types of drills. So you, you fail faster, right? You see more failures per hour. Like in a few days, you're going to feel so much better because you're going to be more competent. Thank you for listening to the Case Interview Podcast. If you want to get more insights into how to prepare like the best candidates and increase your chances of getting your dream offer, you can listen to our entire back catalog starting from episode one. In fact, some of our best episodes are the ones we recorded early on. And if you want to go deeper and learn our best case solving techniques, we welcome you to join our free course called Case Interview Fundamentals. And you can get instant access to it at craftingcases.com course. Now, I hope to see you in the next episode or in one of the previous ones.